Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Documentation Not Included. It is Thursday, 7 p.m. GMT. We are live on twitch.tv slash DNI stream. It is time for another episode of our show. It's episode 8.2, Startups, The Reality Gap. I'm Josie Howarth, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, the Wagyu to my ground chuck, Chris Seabach. That's beef, isn't it? A very expensive piece yeah. of beef, yes. Yeah, okay. Grown good. in only one place in Japan. Ground chuck, that's a, that's an American thing, that, isn't it? We don't have chuck in England. It's mints. Yeah, mints. Beefy yeah. mints. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, hello, Josie, and hello to everybody in chat. As always, please do get involved. It is a live show, and we do read out comments and ask questions of our guests. Um, if the, tonight, sorry, uh, uh, tonight we've already had lots of technical difficulties, and I'm <laughs> stuttering all over the place. We wrote the script about two seconds ago, so hopefully we will have a good show. <laughs> we'll get on with it um so yes tonight we are joined by two individuals who were crazy enough to take up an idea and create a startup so hello joan gordon got well, joan Hi, gordon i've been on this show before a number of times um go ahead introduce yourself say hello to everybody and tell uh, tell everyone why we're here why you're here today uh, okay. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Joe, and I am, yeah, co-founder with Gordon, and we're here today because Josie very kindly invited us to come and talk about our journey with our startup, um, and I guess we're going to explore what our initial expectations were and how they've been dashed on the rocks of reality. Uh, yeah. Hi, I'm uh, Gordon, Joe's uh, partner in our, our uh, enterprise of uh, adventure uh, and really wild things. Um, yes, I'm here today because last time I was on here talking about imposter syndrome, Josie was saying, do you want to do something with Joe? And has been, uh, no, uh, pestering me, shall we say, uh, since, and, uh, now pestering. we're here. <laughs> I, I love how, you know, the responsibility is put on my shoulders. Oh, absolutely. I, I see what you've done here. As startups, you've already shifted the blame somewhere else. <laughs> Excellent start. Yeah, that's, that, definitely. That's it. There's only two of us, so it's got to go somewhere else. <laughs> I'll take it. So before we begin the show, as always, we have our icebreaker question. By the way, Chris, thank you so much for last week continuing the tradition. You always make me smile when you remember them. And this question is designed to just get to know ourselves a little better. Has nothing to do with development. And my question is this. You have found yourself in a dark alley. All of a sudden, a fight has broken out. You can choose one animal and only one animal to fight by your side to help you win this ongoing street alley fight. What animal would you pick and why? Pony badger. Straight up. I don't have to I don't have to wait. I have to think about this one because they are evil. And very vicious. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was like, <laughs> it's great a honey badger. It has to be a honey badger. <laughs> so what about you, Joel, then? You, mm. you, what would you what would you use? <laughs> well, my my first thought when he said, you know, fight breaks out, out an alley, what animal? And I was thinking, I'd get a horse and just ride away. I'd be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that is an option. It could help you win in some strange way. Yeah. I just think quite often when it's that fight or flight thing for me, unless I've had a couple of drinks, it's usually like flight. <laughs> if I've had a couple of drinks, then I think I'm like some kind of massive peacemaker. And I sort of like stride into the middle. 
hey, come on, you know, this lad, you know, he's had a nasty knock there, you know. And give it it's not worth it, lads. It's not worth yeah, it. That, that is exactly, so yeah. Yorkshire. Grizzly bear. They're pretty hard. Uh, see, I thought he was just going to go with a horse, but no, no, he's decided to go with a grizzly bear. My bad. Didn't mean to talk over you, Joe. What about you, Gordon? Uh, I, I need a little bit more specification on this uh, fight that's going on in the alley. Like, who... Who, who's the opposition? It's a dark alley. You don't know. See. Oh, I can't see the opposition. Mm. Well, well, in that some, case... Some, it... Something with, like, I guess, sort of cat's eyes, so it can see the, the uh, down the dark alley. But... Mm. A, a mountain lion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have to... Normally we wait to go, you know, further into these things, but our chat has chimed right in with some absolutely brilliant responses. So, Voltscrack has said... Um, yeah, a boar. Tultepe has said squirrel. <laughs> squirrel. <laughs> and has said, um, I'd like to say a fox because they're cute, but heck, let's go with dragon. <laughs> yeah, two yeah. problems with the Venus specifically. Not, I did not specify at all that it had to be a real animal. Well, that was my, that was the thing about the dragon. It has to be real. Come on, you can't just magic up a. a come on, you're in a, we're in a Yorkshire alley. You know, we're we're, we're having a fight you're outside of Weatherspoon. You're in Yorkshire. <laughs> it could have been a Komodo dragon. Those things are vicious. Yeah, if they bite you, you have to and wait for the infection to set, set in, though. But their hide is also incredibly tough. A Yorkshire dragon. <laughs> and and by the way, cuteness doesn't help in a fight. Unless you're a Pokemon, I suppose. Depends who the opposition is. See, Gordon. Gordon's like, I'm going to solve this by breaking it down. <laughs> Just like I'm, I'm, I'm all about the requirement specification. Yeah. You've got to get this up front. <laughs> So enough oh. of enough of this nonsense. Of this, we've got to know everybody enough. Let's get onto the uh, subject at hand. So yes, today's today's show is about startups, as uh, Joe quite rightly pointed out, and we'll be peeling back the layers on what expectations become reality when you started a startup, um, and which ones are actually fiction. Let's start start by asking Gordon why the topic title "The Reality Gap." Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's a um... There's a book I read a while back called The Confidence Gap, when uh, it's a self-help book, the, uh, talking about, you know, like the, the gap between who you want to be and the actions that you're doing and why there's like, you know, there, there might be some blockage. Um, but there was a follow-up to that called The Reality Gap. Uh, and on a, you know, similar topic, the difference between reality and what you think. Um, and I don't know, it always kind of charmed with me as a nice phrase. Uh, and then I was asked to do a talk at a trade show called Event Tech Live. So they talk called Event Tech Integration, The Reality Gap. And then uh, Josie was thinking, well, what should we call today? I was thinking, I'm, I'm quite liking this reality gap, that <laughs> theme I've got going on. So, yeah, the reality. And we've lost his voice. And we've just lost his... Did you accidentally oh, mute sorry. yourself? I accidentally mute myself. <laughs> Stop that, gesticulating, that, that, Gordon. That, 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 yeah, <laughs> I, I do like to wave my hands around as any um, video can see. The, um, I've also had a few mic problems, so that could happen again. The, um, but uh, yeah, just, you know, what is the difference between where we started out on this journey with our like expectations that we thought were at least somewhat realistic uh, and uh, where we are now, three so, years later. So let's start there then. 
and I want I want you both to answer individually. I want you to to tell us how you started and why what your expectations were when you started. Of I suppose you can have lots of expectations around the product, around the market, around the around the the workload. Um, what what did you think about? What was the first thing that you guys thought about? So, Joe, what did you think about when you first started the business? Um, so I think the business came about because I had quite a a clear vision for what the product was going to look like and what it would do. And that's now sort of, um, in, in some ways, that's actually, we've stayed quite true to that, but we've added a whole load of <laughs> stuff on, on top of it. Um, but I had this very clear vision of this thing that looked like a grid that you could drag and drop things onto, and it would tell you if certain things that you dropped onto it didn't meet certain constraints. Um, and that was basically it. That was kind of my starting point. I was kind of thinking, this might be a little bit of a side project that we do. You know, we sort of still work full time, and this will be like a little thing we do on the side, and you know, it'll be a useful tool for people, and maybe we'll make a few quid out of it. Um, so I didn't really start thinking I'm going to be a SaaS founder and I'm going <laughs> to start the whole business and make loads of money and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then through conversations with Gordon, um, it it became clear to both of us, I think, that actually there's quite a big opportunity here, um, so it's worth really trying to commit and invest a lot of time into it because that was the only way really we were going to come up with something that would deliver value to the market um and and if we didn't do that we probably just would never actually really deliver anything mm. um, and so i guess the, the question about the gap between our expectations and reality is it's a bit like well our expectations at what point because they were kind of evolving through the whole process anyway it wasn't like there was one starting point and our expectations were fixed at that point um and they've differed from it uh but there were certainly points along the way where I think we had a sort of certain idea of what things, how things would pan out, and they haven't done anything like that. So, you know, specifically, I've got some uh, cash flow forecasts from very early on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, January 2018, we're going to be t turning over a grand a month, and then yeah, <laughs> January 2019, we're still not turning over a grand a month. You know, so yeah, there are certain points where you can say, right, we had a very specific set of expectations at that point and they were nowhere near what actually happened i think actually it's worth um it's worth just just digging into on the surface um what your responsibilities are in the business because we know josie yeah, and i know so. and i forget we forget we also haven't really explained what lineup manager is to, to the people who haven't heard gordon on the show before so yeah can you just give us a brief overview of what your responsibilities are and again and the, yeah. the, the kind of the business yeah, okay. So just a quick sort of explanation of what the business is. Um, so if you are an event planner and you've got to pull together all your content for like a conference or like an exhibition learning program or a festival, uh, usually that involves doing some kind of call for speakers or call for papers where you gather all these offers from people who are going to contribute. Often they'll get sent around for review by a panel of um, peers. Um, then once they've been reviewed, you then uh, evaluate all those reviews and decide which of those offers you're going to include in the program for your event. And once you've done that, you've then got to schedule them all onto your kind of timetable or schedule for the for the conference, whatever it is. Then you've got to publish that schedule so that attendees know what's happening where, and then um, you might have some digital signage around the place as well. And that's basically it in a nutshell. So the product basically allows event planners to automate loads of steps in that process because right. 
we went manually with like email and spreadsheets, Google Forms, Dropbox, you know, these familiar free tools. There's actually a lot of manual steps still involved in that. And there's a lot of scope for accidentally um, duplicating data or deleting things, uh, data getting out of sync between one end of the, of the sort of data flow and, and the other. Um, so there's a ton of admin, there's a ton of really um, low value repetitive tasks in there. Um, and I was doing this for a job, so I was like, this is terrible. All ah, right, so that's your background. You're, again, yeah. so let's go into your background. So you're the non-technical person in the business. Well, I, I'm sort of recovered technical person. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> my, my, uh, my degree was computing and I worked, and this is how Gordon and I met. We used to work together um, uh, as, well, basically Unix sysadmin support right. people um, at um, uh, a business ISP. Uh, and then I went off, I had a bit of an epiphany about the state of the world and the environment and everything. I went off to work for a, a, an ecological charity. And part of my job there was um, running events. And so when I was running these events, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that this this is so difficult. Yeah. And there are really decent tools to help me sort it out. But by this point, I guess I'd become pretty rusty. I'd never really been a developer. Um, but Gordon, in the meantime, had been, you know, he'd been continuing to work in tech and his, he'd become much more senior, was doing a lot more kind of like uh, solutions architect type things and was like, you know, coding as a hobby on the side. Right. So, um, yeah, I got back in touch with him and was like, I've got this idea for a product, um, but I, I'm not, I don't really have this, my skills are so rusty. Uh, I don't really know where to start anymore. So you, you uh, make a good team then. You're, 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 you are, you've got a, obviously you've got a technical background, but, but Gordon's the, uh, the guy that does the code. Yeah, essentially yeah he's, absolutely, he's absolutely the technical uh, authority i've got sufficient kind of what i can remember and a bit of an understanding of how everything works you know the fundamentals of of technology to understand what he's on about when he's explaining things but i absolutely let him take a lead on it because yeah it just makes sense to do that so um, speak, speaking of gordon then let's go back to the original question um what was your expectation gordon going into the into the startup business right back you cast your mind right back to when yeah. you first started so when uh, i remember when joe first came to me with this proposal was like, oh should we meet over a cup of coffee went to a local uh, coffee shop uh uh just in headingley in town and then uh thought, oh, i've got this idea for this business like, i've been doing all this like manual process so it's ridiculous and uh like you know just sketched out a really very basic kind of idea of we want to be able to do some constraint management and on an agenda and we kind of sat down at the, then and thought, well, maybe we could write some like an API integration for somebody else's platform that, you know, we could like bolt onto that or like we could just do like a really simple agenda thing. Put a and spreadsheet it, together. You've reached, sorted. It, just some Excel macros. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> why, why, why didn't we think of that? Like that could have saved, you know, three years. But you know, we've kind of like sat, sat down and done a high level, right? How long would this take to do? As well, estimated like you know, three devs, three or four months, kind of thing. Uh, you know, to get something done and like usable uh, for what we kind of had in mind there. And uh, and I think didn't really have a think about what we thought that might be business wise. More that that was like I guess seeing it more as an interesting technical product challenge at that at that point. Can we deliver this thing? before we ever really thought about like, how do we take this into something that's commercially viable? So can I ask you then at that point, why did you, as the, the person who was going to be doing the technical side of it, why did you say yes to that 
knowing uh, fine well, if someone approaches me with that kind of problem, which happens more than you'd think, I pretty much say to them, this is off the top of my head, a two-year project. You want, you know, this, 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 everything you've described is not an easy task. Sorry, it is easy, but it's just a long-winded task, you know, to, to, to do. Marathon, so, not a sprint. What made you say yes to it? Why did, did if, if there was no monetary incentive, did you have lots of spare time on your hands? <laughs> uh, yeah, I kind of did, because I was between jobs at the time on a career break. Right, okay. So I was just looking for a new opportunity. Uh, and it was either do something like this and then see where that goes or go back into doing a role very similar to what I'd done before. Right. Uh, and as Joe mentioned, I was doing solutions architecture, which I'd done for like a long time and, and like had enjoyed, but basically I'd had enough of doing that uh, and wanted to kind of pivot to a more development role. Uh, but it's like really hard to find like a job that would support that, like career change. Um, so it seemed like a good opportunity to learn some new skills in that regard uh and it's just kind of came along at, at the right time really and you think well let's try this and see what happens so you know nothing ventured nothing gained and as i said initially we were just thinking well we could do something in a few months and see where we get to so and then for what kind of let me let me global. just summarize then what i feel your initial as a business kind of mindset was was this is a problem that i have um, in fact, Volsherat has asked a question that's very relevant. I'll let Josie read it out. Yeah, you've hardly said anything to today, Josie. <laughs> I, I, at this current moment in time, I'm just thinking to myself, I'll just sit back, kick my feet up, and let the beard do the talking. <laughs> <laughs> the dulcet tones. No, I, I'm, I'm going to jump in um, with a, a quick thought here on this because it's interesting. I have worked with quite a few startups. And one of the things that... Um, they tend to say is you should always have two people in a startup because there's a level of accountability to what you do. But this, the tasks and things need to be divided as well. So it's interesting that, at least hearing from you guys, you know, one is just like, yeah, this is something that we call the code. It's a neat technical challenge. Let's get the product specs, you know, basically the one who wants to bring a mountain lion to an alley fight versus the one who's like, you know, I've been there, I've done that. I can understand kind of what you're saying, but it's on you. I, I'm going to deal with the other stuff because re realistically speaking, when you run a company, there is a lot of overhead in the admin world. But yeah, I just want to make a comment on that for anyone who or who has an idea. Always try and find someone to do a check balance with you. Mm. A really good piece of advice. I mean, it's, it can be overwhelming the as well, can't it? Uh, to start, start off with and thinking about everything. It's that identifying that need, I think, at the beginning of the of the processes. You had a need, Joe, for this product. Yeah. I mean, I, I've I quite often have a need for a product of some description that doesn't that there's no gap that's filled. Uh, I've done it in the past and I've went off and I've started writing my own thing and then I realise technically I can do it, but it's gonna take me so long. That, and where you know where's my I'm is it just me that's gonna use it? Then I think about the business side and then I think about oh hang on, uh, this is this is a lot more of an undertaking than but you you didn't really have that at the beginning is it fair to say you didn't really have that trepidation of yeah i, I don't i think we'll get to Who the point where they actually to? start the company cause because right now they've just got an idea right this is the the foundation of literally every single SaaS yeah. i have ever seen i mean my goodness chris and i are going to be writing a SaaS next year on documentation not included that is a drop I will not repeat it. I hope you're listening. 
<laughs> so what um, Voltrot has asking though, is how confident were you that there was a market or demand for this? And that leads into the whole, you've now had an idea, you're goofing off with code, you're coming up with some kind of MVP, even though it's not an MVP at the time, it's just a, does this tool fit my problem? It's what a lot of us developers do. We hodgepodge until we find something that solves our problem if we can't find something that's already been created. So you now move into this world of there's a market for this. I mean, where did you make that to quote the management side of Gordo, the pivot? Why did you even pivot? Um. <laughs> They're pointing at each other. I'm not answering that question. No. I'll, 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 I'll have a thing. One thing that kind of pops out in my mind really is uh, our initial uh, client when we were showing the product and they were you know, working with us uh on uh on helping develop it and uh it was so they were we had a an awesome first client they were just like yeah if you can deliver something and it helps their event we're happy to work with you and help you shape what you were doing and we'd made some good progress on the initial bits like being able to define in an event what a session is and what a speaker is and start planning things on an agenda but then he said to us well that's nice but i'm not going to sit there and type in like 200 sessions worth of data and I think, oh, okay, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I could see how that would be a problem for you. Um, and at that point, we kind of started to think about, like, what is the, like, uh, what is more the kind of flow of data through this kind of thing? And what features do we have to add, in this instance, ultimately a call for papers, so that data can be received into the platform. But it was kind of at that point where we're thinking, right, okay, it's not just something that we've done for ourselves, it's going to be something that you know needs these features so people can practically use it uh and then as soon as we started looking at call for papers then you're thinking right okay these exist like from when we were thinking about the agenda nobody was doing what we were doing but when you start looking at call for papers plenty of people do that <clears> so <throat> suddenly there's all this awareness of like what else is going on in the industry you, it feels like that kind of was quite a big change in how we were seeing the, the business really you just touched on something there about your initial client as well i'm gonna i'm gonna take you a step back i want to get granular detail out of you guys not i'm not necessarily wanting any trade secrets but the startup aspect is what's important here that initial client did that come from your existing contacts did you land on it after you'd had the idea did did were they there were you working with them from the very con the conception of the idea yeah so we were i guess we we're I was going to say we're lucky, but I guess in a way you make your own luck. It was basically the the charity that I was working for doing events, and uh, I'd I'd got to the point where I'd kind of convinced my boss that they needed to have somebody dedicated doing events, um, and so they brought in like a someone who was had previously been a freelance events planner, who then came in as part of the staff, um, and so I think I was still working for that charity at the time, um, a few days a week. But it was now developing this product on the side and so then so it was still my employer at the time we were able to say you know, i'm going to write this tool that we can use internally um to help with when we're doing events okay um, so yeah it kind of worked it worked that way really that's that's i mean that's that's the answer i was looking for i was trying to figure out how that connection worked because it, some people accidentally land in there some people go out and try and find clients and it depends on the product but most of the time and uh, I'm working with three different clients at the moment that work exactly that way. They have one major client that they develop their core software offering with. 
very mm. you know that the, these these are power users these are people who are um they almost they don't have ownership of the product but they have an investment in the product and that they're yeah. going to be using it i'm assuming most of the time they get some kind of discount or special treatment you know that kind of thing because they helped develop the product and develop the business um so after you went past that stage um is it safe to say you're past that stage now where you've just got one client you've got multiple clients yeah how did you go about starting to build the business then what was your next focus after getting your mvp together having that yeah. initial client appeased right okay so we were i guess we were quite lucky because that one client because they they were working part-time for this little charity that i was working for so that's how we got connected to them um but because they were a freelancer they were also quite connected into their particular little sector of the events industry and so they were able to connect us to another event that needed a similar product so we had like two beta clients really um and their their requirements were a little bit different um and the second client that was like for a festival and they had um i think it's fair to say gordon they had a much broader set of needs and requirements but they also had a very um they had a very technical user as well who's like the developer um and that's so that was really useful because he could like give us a really detailed requirement specification um and it was just really positive experience to help us um develop the products the way they they needed it developing but also um yeah, so it met their business requirements, but he was also able to talk to us in that sort of technical language um, and give us what we needed to, to develop. So we, we fell on our feet with our first couple of um, clients, really. But then after that, it was like a bit of a yawning chasm opened up. <laughs> like, yeah, from these couple of like, mates to actually selling to people who are out there in the market, like new, finding new customers. See, well, that's... see Go on, I'm going to jump in, Chris, because you're 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 Mr. Chat uh, questioning today. But it's interesting to me because um, one of the things that I have heard from startups before is when they get those initial clients, you know, the ones who really are the ones who are like, oh, I just found this bug. And they're like totally laid back about it. And it's not the end of the world, but they're helping you develop the product. Um, if you are doing a product that can actually be used by multiple, uh, you're more B2B than B2C, as mm -hmm. the case may be. I have actually heard people who in this, the, the founders and the developers say, we're always worried that that initial networking that we do with our first ones will try to hoard us and prevent us from going somewhere else or being there for somebody else so they can develop the product that they see fit. I've actually seen this happen in a B2C as well. Some of the initial users um, who were very instrumental in the evolution of a particular piece of SaaS ended up um, kind of getting frustrated when what they thought the product should be wasn't being met instead of what the vision was of the founders or the developers. And it's a delicate balancing act. So I'm curious, you know, if if the the yawning the yawning chasm, the chasm, <laughs> the yawning chasm had any like any feel of that to it as well. Like that little bit of fear that someone might just hold you back because they don't want to introduce you to the next client or network you to the next individual. Cause right now all I'm hearing is you've hopscotched your network chain. I, th I think one thing that's interesting with the B2B relationship that we have is that because we're providing a service for a client's event, it's, uh, and those two initial clients were annual events. So they're super keen and involved up until their event takes place. And then, you know, they'll, they'll 
they'll have some follow-up call on that and they were great for giving us testimonials but they're not like you know outside of that cycle that involved in the product so it's not like we're delivering a service that they then want all year round so I absolutely love that you have a customer focus here because this I see this with my clients a lot I see the other the opposite side of this that they develop a product and they base it and hardcore things into the product around customers but you have a product you don't have a piece of software that you've written for a company you have a distinct product that's that's being developed independently taking your customers requirements into consideration of course but and your market requirements but you're developing it as a platform that works should work generically for for other people as well um has has it been difficult have you did you did you ever identify that as an issue or do you feel like that's something that you've always kind of had um it's something that actually some of our clients have mentioned to us as a risk <laughs> you know they said oh i've got all these ideas for how for how your product could help me but i also want you to be aware that everyone's going to say that and so i'm not going to mind if you say no <laughs> which is great i mean yeah it's great you know early clients who've got that level of awareness of what it's like for young companies um i guess you know we've been a bit lucky as well and that's that's part of a, a startup is riding your luck and um yeah it, go on go on i was gonna say some some features we have developed purely on like an individual customer request of course they're like oh, okay it's great but you really need this or we can't use it and so, but when we are designing that, obviously we're thinking what other customers might need that in the future. But there, there is a, like, there's always a dilemma between adding in this complexity for that client then that might not then really be like that suitable for other clients. So there, there is always a challenge to like, make sure we don't go too far. So off, it's, it's that like, value proposition, extreme. isn't it? Yeah. It's the, I, what, what you've already described is fr so far, um, from what I can tell, in a in a typical kind of product development company joe you seem to and again i'm not I, I, I don't mean to insult if this is not the not accurate um joe you seem to be what what i would refer to as the product owner the the product expert whereas gordon is the technical expert um in that world i'm not saying that gordon doesn't have mm -hmm. the, some domain knowledge but you seem to be the person who's coming with the idea with the yeah, the the general concept and the understanding of the market and understanding of the industry. Uh, yes and no. I think yeah, um, yeah, to some extent, definitely that's how we started. And I think, but I think um, over time, basically, as I've had to pick up all the kind of marketing and sales and um, bits of legal and managing the finances and all the kind of admin side of things. I think the actual understanding of the product and the and the actual value that the product can offer to the market is it kind of sits between both of us. It's kind of co-owned. And I think actually that's a really healthy thing. Mm. Uh, I think, you know, for, for a new SaaS company, I think it's it's super important that that both the technical side and the marketing side have this, are equally invested in the product and the value it brings to the market. Because it means that that then drives the prioritization of development, like which, which features are the most important. And it's, you know, it's good that we've got some amount of agreement on, yeah, this is the important thing that we really need to do because I've got X, Y, Z, leads asking for it or existing clients screaming why isn't it there um, so it's you know it's really good that that i don't hold all of that and then just i'm going to go and say oh can you just do this can you do that that he he also has um 
a decent amount of market awareness to be able to we can have that conversation between us about well what do you think is most important what do we need to do next and so, on. so that yeah, I, th- I think. Sorry, so go I was going to say, I think because when we both started, we didn't really have. I neither of us had any familiarity with the event tech market really at all. Mm. Uh, so that's something we've both learned as we've gone along, like going to trade shows, meeting our like partners and competitors. So we've both grown that understanding together, right? And I, th- I think that's kind of reflects in how we've grown our vision for the product between us, really, mm. rather than it yeah. being either of us being the specific product owner. Absolutely, yeah. it's so. That kind of leads me on to another question of um, when you, so as because you've both developed this understanding together and be, because you both have opinions and you both have um, uh, ideas for features, yeah. I'm not asking if you've ever argued, but have you ever like argued? Well, have you ever knocked heads ab- about a particular feature or a particular priority of a feature? Um, or has that not really occurred with you guys yet? And and do you see it occurring as you grow? I mean, it, I mean it, the, the closest thing to that to what you're describing happened yesterday, actually. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well timed, Chris. Good job. Um, Taught me a fall. Uh, and and so there's a, a kind of quite a large, whole new feature set that that God basically put together over the weekend, like, um, and I think. Yeah, there's been an interesting experience because I think um, there was a difference between us about understanding how important that might be to future clients. Um, God, so it was very important. And I was a bit like, well, yeah, maybe it's something we can think about sometime back end of next year. And then sort of like yesterday, he kind of turned around and said, right, I've got this thing to show you. And he'd done all this work and there's this whole new chunk of product there. And I, and I was sitting there thinking, well, I came into this conversation thinking that actually what's really important is consolidating what we've already got, polishing the UI, making it a bit more usable, um, uh, doing some, some of the documentation and really helping users to use what we've already got rather than creating a whole new chunk of functionality. Mm. And so we had to kind of um, navigate that conversation between us. Um, See, it's well, it's not it's not that I was asking for necessarily if you've had conflict or anything like that because that's conflict is healthy in a lot of situations it very very what's what's interesting to me here is i'm at the moment i'm doing a lot of agile and scrum work with with big teams i'm doing lots of work with small teams as well and and i see the same problem crop up time and time again in the the ownership everyone's got input on something but the ownership is not well defined of who is that product owner who Mm. has the final say of what the the best value is for being developed within the product, and I imagine a, a startup is no different in that you you have that same problem. You just demonstrated it there, um, and that's something that you're too small to have a team of of people that work for the product owner. You know, you're too mm. small to really have too many. Um, you've got you haven't got enough resource to have too many bones about these things, but these things will occur as as the company grows and that is a line that probably needs to be drawn in the sun not now but at some point mm. in the future um i, th- yeah. I, th- I think sorry, sorry go on. i've been doing all talking no, I, I was just going to say like on the the thing that we our experience yesterday the it was partly it comes down to a motivation thing for mm. me personally the uh cause the last few months we've been working to like fairly tight deadlines to deliver some functionality and we've been out doing a lot of sales marketing thing 
and I haven't really had a time to just like sit down and go, all right, I'm just going to like geek out on some new feature, pull together like what I think the model should be, work out some like user journeys and go, right, okay, bam, I can just focus on this for like three days and like find something that I think can be good enough for a proof of concept for, uh, for a client. Like, you know, stick it behind like a feature toggle and say, okay, you're interested in this. Would you be happy to check it out and give us some feedback? And we hadn't really discussed implementing this, but because we'd been at a trade show and had had a few discussions with people and like kind of had an idea at the back of my head for a long time, but I was able to clarify what I thought the scope of it might be through being at the trade show and having these conversations. And I thought, actually, this isn't that impossible to do. It's a lot easier than I would had imagined. So I just thought, right, okay, I can sit down for a few days, do something and like go, well, is this, can we get something that's good enough for an MVP? Um, and, but really it's a motivational thing for me. So I want to do something like that again, you know, that's why we yeah. got into this in the first place. Like, this is cool. We can bash something out and see how it works. It's um, interesting. It's really interesting to me that the same dynamic exists everywhere in enterprises, yes. in startups and in companies that, uh, you know, medium sized companies uh, they, across the entire board, if that isn't defined, and techies always want to geek out as well. That's always the case. You've got, I've got one particular client who has a, a lot of directors and they've got one particular director who is, they're all technical, they all program as well, but they've also got lots of employees. And this one particular director just does what Gordon does all the time. He overrides what the business's value needs to be done because he feels like it needs to be done, or he wants to geek out and he's got he's up until four o'clock in the morning because he needs to. He, he just feels like he needs to get it done or whatever. He's not stressed or he doesn't need to do that extra time, but he just does do that because it's his mindset, and it kind of steps on toes a, a few times uh, across the business. But it's a much different setup from you guys as well. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just really, just really interesting that. Yeah, I, I definitely hear what you're saying. I think um, I think for me, I kind of recognise that actually when God was showing me this stuff yesterday, I was thinking, God, he's put a lot of work into this. Like He's obviously been really motivated to do it, and that's brilliant. Um, and so I, re I really respect that and respect that he's, he's, um, yeah, he's put a ton of work into it. He's really motivated, and he's, he's added a lot of value to the product. And I, and I do um, completely trust that when we sit down and say right actually we need to sit down and work out what are all the strategic priorities that we will be able to do that and at the moment we just don't have a huge amount of clarity around that because we've been so busy just doing 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 mm. we haven't really stopped to plan much so neither is massively clear at this point in time exactly what the roadmap is for the next quarter or six months so i mean it's fine you know i really trust that when it comes when we have got a bit more organized you know it's it's going to be fine and it's it's more like I think I, I felt a bit like frustrated more about the fact that we hadn't sit, sat down to clarify what our goals were together. And so the space was there for, and, and equally, I'm sure I do stuff where, you know, God, will think, well, what's he, he's gone off and written a blog post about quantum computing. What's that got to do with the business? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that thought might have crossed my mind. <laughs> that has to be okay, doesn't it? <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Be able to have the empowerment and the freedom to do that, to, to be able to do the thing that interests you at that point in time. Otherwise, you might as well just go and work for somebody else and do what we're told. Yeah, to an, ex yeah, to an extent. Anyway, let's move on uh, from the uh, difficult, yeah. the difficult conversation. I, I, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to sort of pull us back a little bit, but still kind of keep us in the same place. So 
at this current moment in time, after listening to all of the things that you guys have been saying, you know, your reality gap and everything that we've discussed, because there is a lot more that we can cover, but it just means we'll just have to have you back, obviously. But the reality gap that you had, you had an expectation when you started and your original expectation based on what I heard was just, I kind of want to see if we can do a tool to make my life a little easier at work because, oh my gosh, I know that it can be done. I just I just want to talk to someone just to make it happen. And mm -hmm. then it's turned into a, well, they liked it. There's actual potential for something more here. Where do you believe you guys were the most blind leading up to when you got your second client? What do you guys think that you missed or misscheduled or misplanned or totally got wrong or just way overshot because you didn't realize that it was really going to be so short? Like, uh, For me, I think the one thing that we've historically missed the most is anything to do with financials. The um, because when when we started, we were assisted by a startup accelerator in town, and they're very like focused on the business. You need to make sure like you've done all your cash flow forecasts, and you know we spent a lot of time, as Joe mentioned earlier, creating these beautiful cash flow forecasts. And I was like, you know, oh, this is what we're going to be doing for the next few years, and all this kind of thing. And like we had people say, right, no, you need to be more ambitious than that. You should ten x these sales forecasts, and we had all this kind of advice, and um that was just a million miles away from what happened um and it, it was good to be motivated by those and think okay good we could this is what we could do uh but yeah we've been nowhere near that but i in a way that well, personally i feel very comfortable with that it's because we've been focused on getting the product out there and growing it through you know through um the work we've been doing and that's just created a really nice scaling rate that we can actually deliver Whereas if I look back at that cash flow forecast and thought, Christ, if we'd actually sold that number, like it, it would have been difficult for us to have met that. But if you'd have sold that number, you'd have had more employees well, to be able to support there is, that. There is that. But, you know, <laughs> well, yeah, you have money, you can make money. It's the law of money. It's interesting that you guys chose to go with an accelerator. I've seen a, a great variety of different types of accelerators. Now, what I'm hearing from you is you guys have ones that were very, very focused on, you know, your projections and creating beautiful PowerPoint slideshows. No doubt you are very experienced in this now. Um, but the ones that I'm more familiar with are the ones that push you to build the product. So it's interesting to me that you sort of started not with a product in hand, but in a, we will make models, we will project, we will do what the CEO would do of a enterprise kind of thing or the CFO even, or what have you, where you guys are just two guys, technically speaking, geeks sitting in your garage going, what does this do? <laughs> yeah. So the, the, um, the accelerator program at Gordon's, um, referring to is it's like a free program that's offered by NatWest. Um, oh, so it's free. Yeah. Would you recommend free accelerator programs? I only ask because I know some people who will tell you avoid accelerators like the plague. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I'm, basically it was, you, you go to a workshop twice a week or something and they tell you about what, what, um, turnover means and gross profit and net profit and fixed costs. Business mentoring. Yeah, all the basic, and it's, it was actually focused on the entrepreneur 
and across all kind of business sectors. So it could be any kind of business, but it's sort of fundamentals. That was quite useful for me because I've never, I mean, apart from doing like little bits of freelance stuff, I've never really done a proper like actual business like this. So I got some really useful stuff out of it. Um, yeah, they were quite focused on like the uh, personal development side of that journey as well. The, the, there was a lot of like useful guidance in there and like, you know, how to manage like your mental health and like how to like, you know, push boundaries to be a successful entrepreneur. So that, there was a lot of benefit there as well. Too many startups burn out because the people who are responsible for the startup feel they have to work 24 hour days. Yeah, it doesn't work. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, I think um, one of the f a pretty fundamental thing about our journey is that we decided to bootstrap as well. So, you know, some of those financial projections could have become fact if we'd taken a load of angel investment funding and been trying to get a Series A about now. You know, we probably could have grown the business that quickly if we'd had a ton of money to throw at marketing and stuff. But because we decided to grow organically from our own earnings. And because we weren't earning anything, <laughs> you know, it's just taken a long time for that to start getting those early sales in. Um, but that's, you know, that's the kind of business we want to work in. We don't want to be beholden to some uh, VCs who have thrown a lot of money at us. And now we're feeling like, oh, God, we've got to like return their investment. Um, it's interesting. VCs in my brain are a bit like how I see, you know, agents trying to find jobs for us. In the IT sector, I kind of have this like bane in my brain. And it's, it's the thing is, I've met people who are actually a part of VCs and they're really nice people, but it's like, don't come near me with your VC. So it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's a strange I, one for me. We'll have right. to get one of them on and talk. <laughs> I think it's right for some businesses, you know, it absolutely works for some businesses. I think. I just don't think it's right for for me and God at, at this point in our lives and what we want to do with the business and everything. Um, I think what's more important to us is having our independence and freedom and being able, and being empowered to work, you know, as a as co-owners of the business to make all the decisions based on where we want to take the business, and um, that's more important than getting super rich or anything like that. You know, that's that's not really what it's about. I think uh, if if you can make it sustainable, you know. And, and even if you just wanted to remain a two-person company, then that's fine. That's legitimate. Yeah. You don't need, especially if you don't have investors or you don't have anybody you're beholden to, then it's, it's, I I would prefer that kind of model if I was a startup. I mean, I'm, I suppose I am. I'm a consultant. It's, it's not really the same thing. I don't have a product. I sell my services. But you do have a product, Chris. I know my beard is a product, but it's not. <laughs> no, I, 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 I am my product at the end of the day. I am. I sell my own services, but I don't have a software product. I don't have a tangible product that I can go out and sell. But if, I mean, I've tried to do it in the past and I've never had the sales acumen and the marketing acumen. I have no idea how to really approach that. Probably would be better at it. Now I've got older and I've got more experience of business and how businesses run. And I've got more kind of stakeholder level engagements going on, but it's still, it's, it's, you know, it's admirable that you, you want to do that. And if you can sustain it, I'm, I'm behind you all the way. I really am. Yes.
And I'm actually going to totally interrupt us because we are getting very close to the end of our show. So uh, real quick, any final thoughts that you want to add before I bring us to our BYOB? BYOM. BYOM. All of a sudden, I'm thinking of, you know, drinking. I wonder why. Maybe it's the mention of the VCs. (laughs) (laughs) Talking of drinking, I think one of the things that's important to do in the startup journey is to remember to celebrate what we're doing. Yeah, the um, cost. It's easy to forget, and uh, we had, we were out in Barcelona a couple of weeks ago, and Joe had been mentioning a a, a cocktail bar that he's uh, life about the last two years since we ever discussed uh, heading to Spain for for a meeting. It's like, gotta check out this cocktail bar. Gotta check it out. So <laughs> my expectations were like, you know, <laughs> and then uh, we went on the, one of the nights after the event. It was amazing. Like, you know, <laughs> lovely thirties cocktail bar, guys in DJs, bow ties, doing all the kind of, you know, the thing. It was great. Um, which is a really nice bit of celebrating on the success and everything we've achieved. But. I do hope there's video of it and it's something that we could potentially blackmail you with in the future. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're being asked by our live chatters if we can do a two-hour show. No, but we've got plans for things in the future and we'll get to it. So, BYOM, this is where you get a chance to just reveal something interesting that you have learned this past week and it could be about anything it could be about a plant it could be about a car it could be about a food it could be about an animal it could be about development itself um guests honor so um well it's it's um aws reinvent this week isn't it so there's a load of stuff coming out of that uh so the thing that god shared with me actually that i'm excited about is amazon uh AWS Braquette, which is their basically quantum computing as a service. Um, so I'm super excited about quantum computing's uh, possibilities because part of our product is around scheduling and being able to optimize scheduling. So it's a it's a nice product um, that lends itself to quantum. Obviously, this stuff's like five, ten years away before it's actually going to be useful or going to be able to use it. But it's just kind of exciting, funky, sexy tech at the moment, isn't it? So uh yeah i'm quite excited that that aws have brought that out and so there's like a whole toolkit and it's um uh, they've got like a whole front end there's different um there's three different startups at the back of it so there's uh, ionq rigetti and d-wave who've all got slightly different um approaches to quantum and how they do it uh so you can write the same um code and, and run it on these different um quantum computing backends and they've also got a lot of um, pre-written algorithms that you can play around with and um, explore. So I'm quite excited about having a play with that uh, at some point when I eventually have time when I'm not writing tweets and blogs and <laughs> doing marketing and sales stuff. So yeah, that's me. What about you, Gordon? Um, uh, I'd just like to give a shout out to an organization in Leeds who's been providing a training course I've been going to through the last few weeks through uh, the charity work I do with uh, Time to Change. Um, they're called Humans Being which is just like the best name ever. Um, but they, they provide a training on, uh, uh, well, all kinds of things, but particularly like well-being, communication. Uh, and uh, we had a really good week on consensus decision-making in teams. Um, and the, the guy, there was a proposal on how to do this. And I'll, I'll just quickly go through it from a very high level, but basically to take a rounds-based approach and start with a question from the chair, then everybody says information they know about that question. Then there's a round of what people think about that question. So there's a chance for everybody in that group to chip in about what they think. 
because you know often in a group people like feel either difficult to like they withhold what they want they're really thinking or they don't find a way to fit it in or you know people over talk and all that kind of thing but it's just a simple round of what everybody thinks uh and then like to start looking for consensus looking for a proposal and then modifying it and agreeing this proposal um and we just went through it for an event that we're organizing with the charity and um it was the most efficient conversation we'd ever had <laughs> in terms of like getting a decision on whether we wanted to do this thing when it was going to be what resources we needed and it was really simple and structured so i learned a lot there it was really good uh, but yeah there uh, duncan the guy there was awesome and uh, if anybody leads is looking for that kind of thing they're called humans being and, uh, i would highly recommend them chris oh mine's pretty boring this week um <laughs> i've learned how to use linkedin finally um <laughs> <laughs> How many years have you been a member of LinkedIn, well, Chris? I've said a number of times on this podcast and in our Discord and everywhere that every time I log on to LinkedIn, my part of my soul dies. I absolutely <laughs> hate the place, but <clears throat> I've been... I, I'm, I'm very passionate about this new legislation that's coming in. In fact, these rule changes about legislation that's already existed, and I've been posting about it quite a lot. And if you post things that you're passionate about that other people are interested in in any way shape or form that's a form of marketing yourself and it's a form of networking and it's something i didn't really value previously i didn't really i didn't think i didn't think anybody else was interested in my opinions and things but it actually happened and i've actually gotten business from just posting my opinions in a and a, a free advice if you know what i mean on how to be and how to do things for people who in my situation who were affected by this particular uh, brand so i've learned that linkedin is more than just a uh, a stream of advert advertisements and a stream of motivational posts and you know agents just a stream of recruiters saying what are you a one girl company and and all the other things that the, the i still get the message i guess still get messages i've had so many people ask me for free things as well like just add me as a connection and then just drop me a message a few minutes later going oh can can i i posted some advice about how to write your cv as a as an uh, as a contractor um at least four people sent me a message saying can i see your cv then it's like well no <laughs> it's not no, well, none of your business what's in my cv but I'm, I'm happy to provide some consultancy on your cv if you want and i've actually gotten business from that so it's it's a, it's a tool that can be used and can be uh leveraged in your favor well i'm about to show my geek <laughs> uh, for me this week uh because of the fact that uh, chris and i have something interesting planned in the new year involving dotnet core um i when i go to learn something i have to come at it from an angle from something that i understand you know that's that's how you do it you sort of make analogies you make connections etc um i actually decided to jump completely into the deep end and i've actually been learning about dotnet malware and how challenging it actually is for security professionals to deal with um due to things like deobfuscation and other stuff that goes with it and it is fascinating um so for me it's it's really just a matter of how technology evolves and of course i have to come and learn things from a security perspective because that's the way i work Good so that's stuff. it 
<laughs> that, believe it or not, what? We've made it to the end of our show. I, I, I can't believe it. I just, I don't know what to say. I want to thank absolutely every single one of you guys on Twitch. You guys have been an absolute treat. Um, Two-hour shows. I'm not going to say anything. Uh, actually digging into coding on the stream. Not going to say anything. Just just know that, you know, DNI streams got your back in the future. And a massive thank you to Tulpepe, Voltrack, and Vina. You guys are awesome. And, right, so... Thank you very much, Gordon. Thank you very much, Joe. It's been wonderful Pleasure. having you on. Thanks for having me. I said we'll we'll have you on again in the future as well, and we will uh, we'll dig a little bit deeper, maybe into this topic, maybe into another topic. Anything else you're particularly interested in? Um, I think we've had we've had a fair few questions and a fair fair bit of engagement in chat. So it's uh, obviously our listeners like it as well, like the uh, the level of detail. Um, do you have anything to pimp? Websites, <laughs> of course you have. So it's your your time to shine now. Well, it's their choice to decide whether they want to pimp their own company or not. <laughs> God, do you want to pimp the company? Uh, um, yeah, I don't know if you've heard of a product called uh, Lineup Ninja. Um, it really helps you manage events such as conferences and festivals. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I don't really have anything else to pitch. Uh, the, uh... Well, you, you did a brilliant job in the BYOM, so you've pitched a couple of different things. And, of course, Joe has as well. But do you have one, Joe? No, I really don't. Just yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Lot, most yeah. people don't have anything to pimp, but you guys at least have have your company to pimp, which has pretty much yeah. been the whole episode anyway. Line so you know. Ninja. <laughs> wow. So yes, in terms of our pimpage, you can follow us and uh, get, go onto our website. It's www.dnistream.live for all our links to our social media, our Discord, our email, etc. If you want to be a guest on the show, you've got any topic ideas or anything like that, please do drop us a message with our contact form. And uh, you can give us some feedback, tell us to shut up, tell me to ask less awkward questions to our guests, whatever. <laughs> you know, one of these days, we're going to get like an email through the contact form on our website, dnistream.live, and it's simply going to say, where's the honey badger? And it's going to be amazing. And then I'll have to book that individual, whoever sends me that. So if you're thinking of doing it as a troll, be aware I will reach back out to you. Yes, we'll, we'll I will. Trace you. We'll, we'll find we'll, you. We'll backtrack you. God, that just that shows age. That really shows age. But anyway, yes, if you like what we're doing, folks, please spread the word. Share our podcast, our live podcast with your friends, devs, and other people. Share it with your honey badger. I'm sure your honey badger would appreciate us. All that's left is for us to say goodbye. We hope to see you all next week, 7 p.m. GMT here on twitch.tv.dni.stream, where I finally allowed the removal of the ban on IR35. That's right. Jamie from .NET Core Podcast will be joining us next week as I put a red flag in front of Chris's eyes. I'm looking forward to it. I've already had a little bit of a of a go, but uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we will. We'll yes. See how it goes. So, from all of us here, documentation not included. Much love to you. Have a good week. Bye. Bye. All. Bye. Bye.